Welcome. We are the Projectile Lunchcast, a group of friends with a combined professional video games industry experience of over 20 years. More importantly, we have collectively been discussing video games for close to a century, including during most of our lunch breaks. People forced to witness these arguments kept telling us to just get a room and make a podcast. So that's what we did. We don't think they had any idea what they were bargaining for, yet here we are. And we couldn't be more excited to have you, dear listener, join us on this adventure. and welcome back to Projectile Lunchcast episode 19. Uh, a very warm welcome, hopefully, to any new listeners after last week's surprisingly popular episode. Uh, my name is still Marcel, and I'm still super happy to be here with Matthew. Smooth as caramel. Is that about your hairdo? Yes. And uh, once again, after a longer hiatus, uh, Basti. Hi, hi. And uh, yeah. Today we're just going to have a pleasant little chat about recent news. There's been a lot of stuff happening in the gaming world. But before we dive into that, uh, it's time for the the birthday boy of the week. Uh, I'm going to assume it's a boy in the case of this game. The birthday boy of the week, uh, Gears of War. The original Gears of War the came original out one. November 7th, which is when this episode is coming out. So hopefully you're all listening to this right now, November 7th. Yeah, uh, that was 2006. So 13, uh, time really flies. Like Less it doesn't cliffy. feel like 13 years since Gears of War came out to me. Less cliffy. I mean, that was the first real modern um, cover shooter, right? So that was what was a Resident Evil 4 before that for a third-person shooter. Yeah. Uh, Next evolution. 2006 was, a, was one of those years that I felt it feels to me like it was quite a big kind of... Felt like quite a big jump from that. From that point on, a lot of the games you see after that I considered like the modern more modern era of games before that it's like uh it's more old school i guess yeah i mean it was 2006 was also when uh, the ps3 came out yeah so it more or less i think it went up against uncharted as far as uh, third person games go but yeah i remember before the 360 came out i think before even it was announced there were some rumors that epic was working on a a launch title like, i think back then it was a launch title, like an exclusive title for for the xbox the new xbox console and people said it had something to do with like people riding on monsters and stuff. I was like, this sounds dumb. Like, I don't care about this at all. And then I saw Gears of War, of course, when they announced it. And you're like, wow, those graphics. That was, I think for that time, I think probably at least on the Xbox side of things, because before they had stuff like like Perfect Dark Zero and Cameo, which was a super pretty game. But like seeing Gears of War, you're like, okay, I see what this whole next gen talk, which brings us back to what we discussed a few weeks ago. And you know, like like HD graphics are all about like that was Gears, Gears One really still holds up. Like if you check Perfect yes. Dark Zero, like there was a game which which um, impressed me when it came out, but I checked it a couple of years ago and just went back into it to just like see if it holds up. And actually, not absolutely not. It's not looking good. Like from animation, visual fidelity, everything. But Gears War, other than yes, it was that era when everything was brown and gray. But other than that, that game is surprisingly good. I mean, it is for a reason. Just changed the 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 um, a whole genre, mix it up, and became a genre staple and standard, right? So, really good. I still love the the, the night missions when you yeah. like, always have to stay in the light or the krill come and eat you. Yeah, it was really cool. And oh. of course, it really like it added a a much much needed third, fourth, depending on how you want to count it. Uh, First, per, uh, first party franchise to Microsoft's lineup, which until then was Forza, Halo, and Fable, and right now it's it's Halo, Gears, and Forza. So you know, so it case hasn't of, really numerically improved, but so the new Gears of War that is that out? That's out already, isn't it? Yes, they yeah. came out early September. Any good? Yes, very good. Very I good. very good game, very beautiful game. So like technically, technology wise, yeah. it's a stunning game again. So they really. Kept that tradition going at least, but it's also a very fun game. I wanted to to play the new Gears, uh, and then I just realized I have never played Gears Four, so I downloaded Gears Four uh, with the Xbox Game Pass. God bless uh, the Xbox Game Pass, and uh, then started playing that. So, but I haven't played the new Gears 
I at least it made me um, to uh, it forced me to to play uh, finally Gears Four, which is good. Also, that also like looks very very good. So yes. I mean, the, the, there's even like a bigger jump from from Gears Four to Gears, right? So I mean, this game is technically we're living in weird times. I mean. From, you just uh, talked about like the 360 and PS3 era, that was a huge crazy jump. And then with the Xbox One and the PS4, yes, we had more fidelity, etc. Um, but it never felt so fresh and so crazy as it was one, one generation before. But now, as we come to the end of that life cycle, um, we, have, we have games which look absolutely stunning. It was the same with the, with the previous console generation though. When Halo 4 came out for 360, I was like, how is that possible on that hardware? Well, no, we have control, we have gears, we have um, Call of Duty, which is absolutely impressive if you compare that to the first uh, titles which came out when the Xbox One or the PS4 was just released. So, there's a lot of, hap- a lot of stuff happening in the gaming world. Lots of news. So, gentlemen, uh, I think we're going to cover three topics today. It's your pick what you want to talk about first. We got BlizzCon. We got uh, EA coming back to Steam. And that opens up a lot of questions. And we have the maestro himself, Hideo. Kojima's latest masterpiece, question mark. Yeah. Parenthesis. So um, what would you like to talk uh, about? Let's talk about BlizzCon, I think. Let's talk about BlizzCon. Yeah, get it out of the I, way. I wanted to save the best for the last. And, you know, yeah, I, I thought maybe. Yeah, but, but your choice. Thanks. BlizzCon. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I uh, so Diablo 4, I guess, is... Is something we should talk about straight away because absolutely um, there's a lot like of stuff they there. Talk about it straight away. Yeah, and also like a sudden like dam bursting as well. Like they've already it's already quite advanced. It seems there's like gameplay footage and stuff, and people got to play it. So that's cool. I like that because I don't like it when there's a reveal and all you get is a is a movie and that doesn't or, really tell you anything. However, or a mobile or a, game or a logo, yeah. like the like the Nintendo and Metroid. Yeah. Here's a logo. Please be excited. However, there was a trailer as yes. well. And what a trailer. Yes. Holy shit. I'm, 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 I'm thinking that the whole, uh, what was it, Diablo Legion, or what was it called, the mobile game? Immortal. That Immortal was just, they did it on purpose because they knew, oh, people were going to get disappointed. And then we just follow up later in another BlizzCon with a, this, this kind of like, Hell yeah, trailer, and people will get completely crazy. To be honest, like, uh, when it comes to a lot of like criticism to Diablo 3 art style, I liked it. And why it seems to be like the, the common conception that people don't like the art style of Diablo 3 when you now look on comment sections and on, on, on BlizzCon coverage, etc. Everyone says, well, I actually liked it. So it's a weird case of, Nobody likes the art style of Diablo 3, while everyone seems to actually like it. That's weird. But I'm, to be honest, I greatly enjoy the new direction. Like, I think that's the right way to go. Yeah, just on the art style, I, I think that, for example, um, you know, if Diablo 3 wasn't a Diablo game, no one would complain at all. But because of what's come before, and everybody is obsessed with Diablo 1 and 2, like, they think, oh, it should be like this. And I think, in a sense, like, what they're doing with Diablo 4 is, like, the best version of the game it can be with the, the art style, because... You know, it really goes into a, an area that it's hard to get elsewhere. It's like that isometric, that kind of like top-down thing, plus really dark. It's really unique. And I think they, they're really embracing that uniqueness. And I think that's pretty bold. And I think it's really cool that they're doing that. I think probably to a certain degree, they also have to do it. Because um, if you look at a lot of fantasy games, a lot of action RPG stuff like that, a lot of them these days essentially more or less rip off like the Blizzard art style, you know, like yeah. a lot of a lot of fantasy games these days do, like you know the cartoony thing. That either you look at it and you're like, yeah, this looks like like something Blizzard would do, or it looks like something yeah. a Riot League of Legends would do. So like you know, for Blizzard to say, okay, we you know we we differentiate ourselves now from kind of like the copycats. Um, that absolutely ma- makes makes, sense, makes yeah. a lot of sense. I, personally, I really like the the art style of Diablo three minus the armor sets, like the, the armor. Um, there were very few like high tier armor sets that I thought this looks like something really cool and badass. It was always like too too many colors, too many effects. The same thing that happened over over time with with World of Warcraft. Like some of my favorite World of Warcraft sets are the early ones, like tier one, tier zero point five or something. And then as it got more elaborate, the shoulder pads got more elaborate and bigger and more effects and fire and whatever. You're like, 
Pet yeah. It's all about shoulder pads. It's getting a little bit yeah. too elaborate now. I mean, I love shoulder. I like Warhammer. I have to like shoulder pads. You love Darksiders, so. Because yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, there's a shoulder pad. Shoulder pad size. It's it's not about the size. Okay. It's about how much fire and, and okay. horns and whatever you put on it. So how many, that becomes how many spikes will fit on your shoulder pad? How this is an important that, that's, that's when it get, No, that's, I, I don't like that actually. That's when it gets too much. Like the shoulder pad size is okay. Would you like, prefer less but bigger spikes or smaller spikes but more? Is, like this, what like, is, is, your this, preferred... is this the duck and the horse question? Uh, no, no, pimp, it's, it's, uh, welcome back to pimp your shoulder pads. Man, would your... you rather be impaled on many small spikes? Or in a few big spikes. Lots of crusty, disgusting, crusty kind of barnacly spikes. Ooh, that was very specific. <laughs> That's very specific, Ooh. but I guess it fits the upload nicely. So this was also the first time ever I noticed that I think um, that they had a content warning at BlizzCon and said like, hey, if you come, if you're attending with kids or something, there's a separate hall where you can watch the opening ceremony minus certain bits, which I guess having seen the cuts, yeah. we all know what those bits were. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was interesting. Oh, that reminds me, as I was on vacation last week, like I was only able to, to follow up on a lot of like, that news on my phone. And I haven't catched up with everything like 200%. Talking about BlizzCon, we all get excited for Diablo, but what what is going on with Overwatch 2? And this, you you get the same heroes and the same maps and PvE co-op mode am, and the same I'm, multiplayer. I'm confused that people are so confused because I think it feels like fairly straightforward. And... It's funny, like uh, last week with Richard, I don't know if you may remember the guy, he, in the distant past, he was a member of this podcast. It's some good American, right? Uh, like a token American, essentially. We were like, hey, you know, if you want to, like, you, you, we sat down like with a focus group and they were like, hey, if you want, if you want your podcast to become big in the Americas, you probably need a token American. You're like, who's no, from didn't New work, York and didn't talks work out about at hot dogs to be honest. and yeah. American style pizza and shit like that. So, was worse the effort. Yeah, that was, that was a Richard guy. So when I talked to him and I said in advance a few things, I said my guess would be for Overwatch 2 that it's going to be more of a platform rather than a traditional sequel and that you would be able to carry over all of your cosmetic stuff. And he said well he argued that maybe these are like you know unrealistic expectations because nobody has done it in the past and i agree like it's a super rare thing but it just felt right to me like like with overwatch i had the feeling like this is what they were going for like essentially overwatch pvp like the 6v6 stuff is becoming a platform so no matter if you have overwatch one or if you have overwatch two or both of them you can play together uh, like cross game essentially you know if that's what we we'll call it you have all the same maps you have all the same heroes like all the new stuff uh, that's coming in that sense uh, is, is also being added to Overwatch 1. So you're on an uh, even level. Essentially what you're getting with Overwatch 2 is you're getting all the PvE co-op stuff. Like the hero missions, the story missions, the progression system for that. Which I think, you know, I find it funny that a lot of people, and maybe, you know, it's just on Vogue right now to hate Blizzard. Like I've seen a lot of people on Twitter like, you know, what's the point? Like why should I even buy this game? Which is funny to me because I would have seen the reactions like, hey, this is probably the most customer or gamer friendly way anybody has ever done a, shoot, a sequel like that so to say like you can keep playing you will still get like the new pvp content even on the old game that you bought like four years ago i think that is, no i agree it's a fantastic way to handle this so like, there's they're not splitting the community people keep all the cosmetics that they grinded or bought and everything like that uh, to me like you know this is the this is the best case i could think of anybody how anybody has done a a sequel like this so i'm really confused to see people complain about that because i'm like well, no like what, for me what could you want i i agree with the complaining part like for me I'm, I'm not complaining i'm just confused because maybe it's because i'm old that's probably most likely because i'm old but when i think about back in my everquest one times with the expansion shadow over luckland we got new character models and stuff like this yeah. And in order to get the new visual graphic overhaul, you needed to buy the expansions, fair enough. So it brought extra content, brought like technical improvements, etc. But it was bound or locked by that expansion. So for me, Overwatch 2 feels like, okay, we want to have like a, like a full price, probably not like full price, full price, or same full price as, or same price Overwatch 1 had when it came out. So we want to have like a full release skew of a game which you can sell as a separate game thing um, but it's also kind of like a standalone expansion upgrade thingy like it's weird but even though it's weird like and I'm, I think it's a little bit confusing I actually like that they're trying new things 
I like that they go that way of like, okay, let's let's see how we can make a sequel, which is not really a sequel, but probably a sequel without like burning all the other people because we have seen also like people with destiny and their expectations in a sequel, etc. Long story short, I like that they're trying things out. I think that it is important that we try things out in the industry and just do things a little bit different and get a little bit crazy about that stuff. I'm, I'm just a little bit confused, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's probably going to be a trend that you're going to see more on, you know, like specific circumstances where people make games like this. Um, it's it's essentially the same thing you're seeing with Destiny now, right? Like Destiny is now a at its base. It's a free-to-play game yeah. that everybody can play. Um, if you want to, you can buy certain campaigns, expansions, however you want to call them. Um, if you don't, then you can still play with the same people the content that you own. Like, you know, like, in, for example, in... If, if I now own Shadowkeep, of course, in, in Destiny, and you don't, we can still play uh, PvP. We can still play a lot of the other content together. You cannot buy, play the specific new PvE content, mostly, or like, you know, co-op content that I bought and you haven't. No. We can't play that, but everything else we can play together, you know, because it's it's a platform more so than individual titles, and that's exactly what they're doing with Overwatch. I like and that. I think really that is... Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense because the last thing you want to avoid, of course, doing is... No, the last thing you want to avoid... No, the last thing you want to do slash what you absolutely want to avoid doing is, of course, splitting your community. It's something we've seen in the past with people like having map packs and stuff like that. It's like, hey, let's play this. Yeah, but I haven't bought it well. So either I cannot play with what I bought or I have to tell my friends to fuck off. Which I'm happy to do if need be, naturally. Yeah, I know about that. Oh, yeah. Maybe they just shouldn't have called it Overwatch 2. They should have called it the Overwatch Mega Overhaul Project or Overhaul. Yeah, I can see why you work in marketing. Yeah. Do you just you see you see what I'm saying, right? Like I like the idea of having just a platform, but then having still like the the uh, um a numerical order like in classic sequels etc confused me just get rid of that just the overwatch i think the problem with calling it overwatch 2 is that you think there's some kind of reinvention there whereas it doesn't sound like that's what it is to me from what i've heard i don't really know but yeah um it doesn't sound like something has been reinvented and then created from scratch it is an update yeah a well, big update. I mean, like like yeah. they're, they're adding like an entire like co-op and system progression. Like you know that is what that is the scope that you would add in a sequel. I think you know mm-hmm. that is. I, I don't no, think I it's necessarily fair to expect like you know that's what you add. And I think like a lot of people are forgetting. Okay, not on console but on PC. Overwatch cost forty bucks when it came out, right? Yeah. Like it, it was not even a full price title unless you wanted the fancy edition. With the was cool it thirty nine or forty nine? I think it's thirty nine. Right, so forty. It was forty. Yeah. It was you know like which still if, if you think about this is some excellent value. Also, I want to say for the record, because I've received complaints in the past, like in the past when we talked about Overwatch, and I mentioned that the people that I'm playing Overwatch with frequently are the scum of the earth, I afterwards got complaints from the scum of the earth that I called them such. So now um, that we're talking about Overwatch, I want to point out the last couple nights, I had a lot of fun playing Overwatch with my friends, and we were super successful, great communication, so thumbs up, guys. For once, not scum of the earth. For now. Oof. For now. What's your rank? It's not about that. I see how it is. <laughs> Overwatch Overdrive. Let's not talk about rank anymore. So Hearthstone, just yes, quickly. Absolutely. Um, they is that like is it eight player or sixteen player or eight player? It's eight essentially player. auto chess stone. Okay. All they need now is the dating elements, and I think they're fairly close to ripping off Automate. <laughs> Guys, I, I told you, I told you we need to make it happen because someone else will steal it so many times. Remember, so many times in your life when you had a stupid, although great idea, a magnificent idea, but you never realized, like, uh, never realized it because you thought, oh, it's actually too damn stupid. And then someone else years later comes up with the same bullshit and... Uh, it's getting very rich and famous with that. If anyone wants to rip us off, uh, first episode of the podcast series Auto Chess uh, is what we're talking about. Yeah, we listen to listen to the first episode. Also, follow and subscribe to our channel. <laughs> All that oh. jazz. Um, can we just go back to the Diablo trailer? Absolutely. Uh, because I want to talk about trailers. Yeah. Because it is obviously like it must have. I don't know how much money they spent on that trailer, but clearly a lot. 
Um, Trailers are very, very expensive. Say like nine minutes, ten minutes long. Or something so like I mean, that. obviously, Blizzard does it internally. Like they have an internal cinematic team, and it's a sizable team. And the fact that it's a sizable team and they put out like three or four of these things per year shows you know how much work yeah. it is. Um, to ballpark it for you, if if you do something like that with an external company. I'm gonna say at least three million. Yeah, for something like that. Like three, if you like, you know, million. there's you have like companies like Blur, for example, which is the the god tier of, of outsourcing. You know, like for example, the guys who did cutscenes for Halo and trailers for Halo. Um, they do did all the intro stuff for for the Old Republic. Yeah. Uh, in general, a lot of work for Bioware as well. Blur, but yeah, that that's gonna cost you a seven figure. Number, yeah. uh, amount to make a video like that. So I mean, yeah. probably you get some studios which are a little bit, bit cheaper, but usually when you are Blizzard, you want to want, want to hire the best guys. But in this yeah, case, course, they have yeah, their like own Blizzard team, Blizzard right? has it internally. But you know, like uh, then again, if you add up like obviously the salary of, of talent like that, it's probably also going to be an expensive yep. trailer. So the question I was going to ask is, do trailers get you to buy games? Is that their purpose? What is their purpose? Um... Like I mean, I'm talking about trailers, just to clarify, trailers that don't have any gameplay in them. So CGI trailers. Yeah. Yes, I would say so. So the thing is, this uh, the, I mean, we're coming back to the general question: what what is marketing worth, and how can you measure the success of marketing campaigns of a marketing campaign? There are ways to measure that, but it's sometimes rough. But on the other hand, you when you talk to indie developers, and there's so many indie developers with really really good games which would kill for getting a proper marketing campaign to, to uh, make people uh, aware that the game exists, to fuel the hype, to fuel the fandom and all this kind of stuff. I think um, the, the amount of... I mean, how many people just in the last couple of days talked about that trailer? Like you had, you got the feeling that the people partially talk more about the trailer than the actual announcement. Like yeah, the, the right. focus on that and how people share that and how people share that on YouTube, reaction videos, all this kind of stuff. And I think that that f- kind of like fan service, selling the fantasy, is still extremely, extremely important. I mean, like I used to say, like it's really hard to, to market a shitty game, but even a good game doesn't necessarily stand on its own without marketing, right? So. I thought it was a pretty creative trailer as well, visually. Yeah. It's like it, there's a lot of stuff in there. And it's And it's totally like through and through the, the, the product, isn't it? I mean, they set the stage. I mean, they set like, Diablo yeah. 4, different art style, we're going back to etc. And that, I think that trailer perfectly encapsulates that. I mean, also, of course, you know, if, if the, the Hong Kong thing hadn't happened and a Jap hadn't been on, on stage first, then this would have been the first thing from BlizzCon, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's what the start would have been without anybody being on stage. Just like, this is the first thing you see is this trailer, which of course like is, is a statement of intent, really. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, if you, if you go like through, I, I can't remember all the terms right now because it's been a while since I did anything uh, theoretically with marketing. But uh, you know, if you go through like the different stages of like the psychological model of getting somebody to purchase something, of course, the first thing is interest, right? Does a CGI trailer? Do you make the decision to buy the game at that moment when you see that trailer? For most people, probably not. You're like, but does it does it get you on that road to making the eventual purchases? Mm-hmm. You see that you're like, hey, my interest is piked. I want to see something now. I'm gonna look up gameplay, or a video from a YouTuber or something like that. You know, and that is really, you know, that is the first step. Like very few people, especially at the price that video games cost, um, instantly make the decision. I'm gonna buy this. Sure, there are people like this. I mean, I I can give you sixty bucks right now for for uh, Dragon Age, and I haven't seen even seen the next Dragon Age. But that is like a a, a weird minority of weird people like myself yeah um so but for most people yeah i would say it absolutely works you know to to pike that interest um you probably also want to differentiate between like two types of cgi trailers i feel like there's those that try to replicate gameplay but it's cgi which i always find a little bit weird whereas something like of course now with diablo it, it has nothing to do with the gameplay but it sets the stage as you said you know it it, it makes a grand entrance like the way Lilith comes down you think like you know it's it's also a little bit of a meta level. It's like, hey, you know, Diablo's back. Even if it's not Diablo, it's you know, mm. another prime evil. Or like, a, 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 she's not even a prime evil. She's I don't a, know what she is. She's a very distinctive figure to introduce as well. Absolutely. You know? And I think yeah. that's, I think just the way that she's introduced and yeah, just the flow of that whole trailer is really, you know, incredibly well constructed. 
Yeah, uh, really. I think like that one, uh, that one shot of her uh, stepping down with like that blood cape through the three. Yeah. Blood, I, I would put up as a as a as an artwork on my wall. You know, yeah, absolutely. It's just perfectly framed that shot. Absolutely. Um, what I also would have to say is, I mean, you know, yes, the the trailer is spectacular. All the all the three CGI trailers were spectacular. Um, the Shadowlands one was fantastic. Overwatch, you know, you could put that as a short film in cinema almost. Um, what I was really surprised with was how good Diablo Four looks. Like in the past, it felt like you know people always said you know, like uh, uh, it was true. Like Blizzard made fantastic games; they were never really visually cutting edge. Not the state of the art, right? When it it comes felt to, like yeah. really the first game. I think the first Blizzard game that you think at the time that looked really really good was Overwatch. And it feels like you now maybe that is maybe that is one of the there's got to be some benefits of being part of Activision, right? Maybe it's not just Bobby coming to you every day and saying make more money. Maybe like one of the benefits is that uh, Blizzard is now also paying a little bit more attention to production values that they did in the past. Because I, I, when I thought oh, uh, when I watched the Diablo 4 gameplay, uh, I thought, wow, this looks way better than I would have expected. Yeah, um, like the level of detail and everything, it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, of Divinity 2, like uh, Original Sin, because that is also a crazy good-looking game. Like in the sense of like all the little details, yeah. like all the stuff standing on the tables and everything. And if you look at uh, watching Diablo 4, I felt like, you know, it, it was like that feeling like a, like a real world, like in the sense of like, you know, this is like gritty, there's all the little details and stuff like that. Because a lot of games, obviously, even like a lot of fantasy games gloss over like, you know, the small details of this is a world that people live in for, you're the hero. And uh, yeah, Diablo 4 looks fantastic. Um, um, this, uh, is I mean, a... I'm wearing, what you cannot hear, see, dear listeners, that I'm sitting here wearing a Diablo I don't know what this is. Diablo one, sure. No, yeah, like long sleeve. Is a long sleeve okay? But like it has some buttons. A long sleeve with buttons. Okay, a Diablo long sleeve. With, thank you, Basti. Very nice. So what I really liked about that trailer, like obviously the effects of the, the just like the storm, like the tornado and the lightning effects looked amazing, but also the crunch. Just like you know, there's a lot of crunch in that game when stuff gets blown up, um, destroyed. And that destruction, you can re- it's so tangible. Like in a in a game like I don't know, like Path of Exile or something, um, there's there's a bit of that going on. But you know that just the amount of F, uh, production value, like the the expense here, has gone into making that crunch, and you you really trust it to them to do a good job of that. That on its on its own is quite an exciting. Thanks, um, ASMR. Well, probably some some people would would just love to to fall asleep while listening to to Lilith uh, or just skeletons getting blown up or yeah. the 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 audio of opening loot boxes. Yeah, there's probably wor- there's probably worse fetishes than that out there. Yes, don't. I'm not like this is not a challenge to anybody to prove it. I'm just saying there's probably worse stuff out there. So, uh, any last thoughts on BlizzCon? Personally, as a aficionado. I would say it's it was easily uh, one of the two best BlizzCons ever. Mm. Yeah. If it's the best, I'm not sure. I think like uh, the announcement of Overwatch, yeah. obviously was a huge thing. Uh, I still remember like Chris Madsen being on stage crying actually because that he was so emotional that they're announcing the first new IP after 15 years. Um, but yeah, I think you know uh, politics aside, and that's obviously something where people are gonna have different opinions. But just from the game announcements, I would say. One of the two best. It was very ever. exciting, yeah. Very Good exciting. Stuff. So um, then let's get to stuff that is definitely not exciting, at least to me personally. Hideo Kojima and Death Stranding. The uh, review embargo was lifted on Friday, and I have to say I absolutely love this. So I, I don't play his games personally so much, but I absolutely love and adore the uh, um, the review discourse around Kojima games. So like you have half the people saying this is stupid. And the other half saying, well, you're just stupid enough to understand the genius of it all. Um, this is like going into a boys uh, exhibition. So the, the thing is, what? What, is, what is the current meta score rating? What's a boys exhibition? It's an artist which was very, very... Uh, oh, okay. Uh, you know I, what I'm talking about, right? No, no, I, I was like, like, in like, like boys, ex- boys being exhibited. I was like, what? <laughs> oh my God, Marcel. <laughs> No, I'm talking about the artist who put grease into bus tubs. All oh, right, okay. Um, so, what is the current meta meta rating? Talking of weird fetishes. He had uh, I can I can fetishes. check it real quick. Hold on. Hey, would you prefer Metacritic or Open Critic? Open Critic. Open Critic. 
It is drum roll. Eighty six. I guess I'm trying to find it right now. It's eighty six. Yes. Wow. Pretty good score. So, so it's as good as Luigi's Mansion Three. <laughs> yeah, good good comparison. Though. Yeah, that's just yeah. the numbers. They're straining a game. The rules. Directed, written, and and packed and and sent out via post by Hideo Kojima himself. Himself. So I I played all the Metal Gear Solid games, which means I'm entitled to an opinion. And you would usually think that I'm the perfect target audience for that game because I like Hideo Kojima games. Um, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm I'm a weird case because I like Hideo Kojima games while I'm not a Hideo Kojima fanboy. Maybe that makes me like a weird instance of something. But Rational, I don't see yeah. it. I I don't see it. I'm watched. Like the best thing so far happened to me in all that like kind of like death stranding nonsense was a one hour Tim Rogers by Kotaku, uh, completely bonkers review video review by for, for that game. But other than that, for me like the like you watch you 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 read through reviews and watch videos where people explain on one note. Oh, this is basically uh, the a magnificent walking UPS simulator. You have to hold several triggers to not triple over, and you have management of your backpacks and in which kind of like how how much weight and the weight distribution, and then uh, your shoes break because of course they are made out of like uh, I have no idea paper. So all ten minutes your shoes break, and then you have to replace your shoes and maybe rip off a toenail because your your feet feet are bleeding and you have to you have to uh, empty your your bladder and all this kind of like stuff and at the same the, the second note they're saying like this is a brilliant game and i like for the love of god i cannot bring it together i have no idea wow how can this be like maybe i need to play it in order to understand but in what world game design like can someone other than Kidio Kojima make basically a physics simulator, let's say like like goat simulator, whatever, which are usually wacky party games, and remove all the wacky wacky party stuff and being that serious about it, and can still be successful and celebrated for that? I don't get it. I watched hours of review footage of that game and read through articles. And every time he trips and topples over over his own food, loses all this stuff and everything was like, how is that fun? Please explain. How? <laughs> I want to know. So, yeah, I mean, like, as people have now opened up over the weekend the, the whole can of worms of the discussion of if games, where the games need to be fun or yes. not, because saying, like, some, some, obviously, some celebrated movies are not fun. To which somebody else, I can't remember who it was, I saw. Somebody in my time there was like I think like a games reviewer uh, who pointed out you know that that's a fair point but most films also don't take 20 40 60 hours so maybe for, <laughs> for films you have a lower a lower threshold for you know this doesn't have to be fun for me to make it through whereas with games like sitting there for 60 hours I don't know I mean you know, I am a I'm a noted a card carrying member of the uh, Kojima haters club. So I'm, I'm, I appreciate it. I'm obviously biased. It's, but I still haven't seen anything gameplay-wise from this game that makes me think I want to play this. No, same like, for me. The only thing I've seen that I thought like this looks really cool was like I think from the from the trailer when they announced the release date. Remember, Buster, when we were sitting at my desk at work yes. watching this trailer together, going, "What the yes. fuck?" Um, there was the scenes with the I don't know what is it like the, the Death Stranding, the other world, whatever it's called, like the World War One inspired stuff. Yeah. That looked really cool. I have yeah. to say that, like visually, I was like, wow, this looks excellent. I mean, in general, like graphics. The, the it game looks in general looks oh, like from visual fidelity to animations. I've never seen someone so realistically tripping over his own feet. <laughs> but even you, Marcel, and then peeing, or and ex- then peeing, extending a kind of limitless ladder. Um, I mean, that, that's my favorite part. And like, I, I, I cannot. I cannot decide if Kojima is trolling the people or if his fanboys are trolls or like, you know, when people go like, you know, this is, this is just like, you know, it's genius. Like, if you don't understand it, you're stupid. Like, <laughs> dude, like this game has like a weird otter suit. It has nonstop product placement for, for uh, monster energy drinks. And it's all about a guy peeing and then making grenades out of that. Like, is, is this high art? I don't know. I don't know. I have to, I have to appreciate, like admit, I don't 
get a lot of modern art. Like, you know, like if, if I look like the Grand Renaissance masters, I'm like, yeah, this is fantastic. This guy, holy shit, that's a painting. And modern stuff, I'm like, here's a pen on the ground. I'm like, congratulations. I think there are degrees. So if I may step in here, there yeah. are degrees. I think there are degrees. Like, you're right. Like, there's the, the, the classic light switch exhibit. I think that won a, a, a major art prize, um, which is basically you go into a room, there's a light switch, and it, you can turn it on and off. Um, so that, you know, to me, who grew up with a lot of art around me, that is, that is just very, a very hollow thing. Basically, what you have to do is you have to read the whole rubric about, you know, the artist's theory alongside it to, to get an idea. And maybe there's something in that. But the exhibit itself doesn't necessarily tell you everything. I think with this, this game, I I like the principle that people can do whatever the hell they like making a game because I think that's something we should encourage. I think I think it should be encouraged for the reason that out of that kind of creativity comes new stuff, things that, you know, innovation and, um, yeah, creativity, things with value, things with meaning. Um, but I kind of agree with... What you've said about it, like from the gameplay point of view, I'm not sure that I'm that interested, and and I'm not sure that the um, the artistic part of it has as much value as people are ascribing it. It's, um, however, you know, I, I laughed. I saw the ladder being extended. I saw the micturation, and I laughed. So sometimes that's enough for me. So I'm not like every punter, but um, sometimes. It, those kind of bits of amusement are enough for me to carry something, but yeah, I just—it's just a bit wacky and weird, and maybe that's what people want to experience in a world where you know a lot of the stuff that you're seeing is just an iteration of something that's come before it. And but at the same time, yeah, where's the gameplay? The thing is, I, I would love to to like it. I will see. I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's still not sure if we're gonna buy it. Or if I watch it as a let's play, and that's rough. As I said, I played every single Metal Gear game, and but even there, like now people saying when it comes to all art and whatever, yeah, he invented the the modern stealth game with, and after Metal Gear Solid One, everyone all of a sudden wanted to have stealth element. Even Zelda games have stealth in there. Fair enough, but Metal Gear Solid Two was a game. Which is absolutely brilliant, but not for like new mechanics, which are different. Also, when that came out, everyone hated it. Metal Gear Solid 3 is a, in general a, a great game, but outside of like the, the already established stats mechanics of Metal Gear Solid 3, they got more deeper with that, with the camo system, all that kind of stuff. Have you seen that stuff in any other game? Maybe a little bit survival mechanics. Metal Gear Solid 4... I think as older that game gets, as more weird people get about Metal Gear Solid 4 because that game is not good. I barely ever hear people talk about it. That game like, is not out, good. Out of all like the mainstream numbered Metal Gears, 4 is by far the one that I hear the least talking about. Like a lot of people, or most people that I know probably say that they think 3 is the best. Yeah. And a lot of people saying that they absolutely love the gameplay of 5. They think it's fantastic. They were very disappointed with the story. I never hear anybody talking about the fourth one. I don't know mm. if it's if it's like the weird, like old... It, it slowly old, changes. Old replacement teacher mustache that is running get, or something. I people get weird about 4 and all of a sudden say, oh yeah, 4 is a great game. No, no, it's not. It's not. I love the ship setting in 2. Was it 2? Is it 2 yeah. with the ship? Uh, yes, the, the oil tanker. The Hudson River, that yeah. is cool. I love that. So the thing is... Metal Gear Solid 1 changed gaming forever. Yes, I give Kojima that. Like, the, the way its style, it influenced so many games, like Gears. But it's not that, let's say, with Cliff Blasinski, I mean, at least he tried lately, but um, it's not that everyone everyone agrees on Cliff Blasinski is an absolutely artist and genius. Like, maybe people are, he has fans, of course, and people said he was influential, he made... No, but the influence and impact Cliff Blasinski, as an example, had on gaming is maybe as high as Kojima. Like when it comes to features and how he changed games, etc. But this weird, like, persona cult around Hodea Kojima, I, I don't know. That's something I don't get. And I would really love to, to, to like Death Stranding. And I will see it for myself because, yes, maybe I will enjoy tripping over my own feet for 20 hours straight until... I mean, he says, yeah... 
And the first half of my game is actually not very funny and enjoyable. It gets better in the later half. I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? I think when he said that, like, uh, when, he, when he said that, a, a lot of people probably in the PR department, so when you're reading that, they then come with the rituals and poker, like, nope, we're done here. He's fucked it up. Drop off, right? He's you know, like, it seems like there are cutscenes in that game, which are longer than one hour. <laughs> Going all the way back to Battle Gear Solid Fear was exacting that shit. You know, like, uh, I'm sure it's not that great a game, but it's just, um, I just love the disregard. I just love the disregard for what people will think about it. And I think, I think it, there is a danger that you can just be obsessed with what an audience wants and always pander to that and always have that in your mind when you're making something. Um, of course, you have to do that. Like, if you don't do this, clearly he hasn't done that. But if you have to do that, then, um, you know, it's it's also a danger that you'll end up just making the same stuff all the time or the same stuff other people are making. And I, I think, I think in principle, maybe this is a bad example, but in principle, it's good that people... That things have their own uniqueness and personality. Like I agree. I like the idea. I've seen, The stuff I've seen, I like the idea that... The ideas that are in the game—that's the thing—and that someone, no one has shut those down, but they are—they are nuts um, as well at the same time. I mean, whatever—I mean, it, it is obviously like a an event, you know, in the sense of like when I woke up Friday morning. At the time, like the first thing I did was go to Open Critic. I was like, I want to see this now. No, um, which I rarely do. Like, usually review scores don't mean much. Obviously, I care about the review scores of the games I work on. I don't really care about review scores when it comes to buying stuff like if i want to buy a game i don't care if reviewers like it or not but you know like obviously here i was very excited to see you know like what what's the what's the critical consensus and then you found out there is no consensus which is very rare it's very rare i think for a game to get a 10 out of 10 of people saying is it's their game of the generation and then somebody else giving the same game a 3.5 out of 10 <laughs> and saying this is utter trash <laughs> no like, you know, how often does that happen in video games? Like, it feels like some other, like maybe music or films, like there can be a wider range. But like with a lot of video games, there usually is more or less like a consensus of, let's say, you know, within 20 points. Like, you know, from, from 70, maybe somebody says it's 90. But like seeing this huge, like, like you know, 65% out of 100 range of scores. What was the big thing on there? Was it IGN or who was, who, who gave the six... GameSpot? Uh, uh, no. IGN was a 6.8. Oh. But to be honest, not that many big outlets who gave. Like, I mean, usually the, the shitty controversial scores come usually from more smaller outlets. Mm. There are a few weird like trash bin outlets, I'm not calling names or whatever, but where you know everyone likes that game, but they will surely spit on it because, I don't know, it generates clicks or whatever. But, but IGN confused me. But was there more than IGN? Like where they actually? I mean, it is of course. On the other side, I feel like it's always balanced out, especially with Sony games. If you look look at like all the top scores, like the ten out of ten. Sony Sony magazines. It's always like you know stuff like that already in the name is like oh you're your PlayStation fan side, so you know it's yeah. So what do we have? So uh, yeah, IGN gave it a six point eight out of ten. Gamespot. Gamespot. Yeah. Uh, Let me check. Gamespot nine out of ten. That's really weird because they're usually quite. Relatively close games for IGN for like their in terms yeah. of their audience. To like stuff like the sixth X is ten out of ten. Well, yes, yeah. maybe it's gonna take it with a grain of salt. And like if you, if your name is if if you, if your platform if your website is named after a console feature, maybe not like the most you know objective kind of guys. What about Eurogamer? Um, they give it a recommended. Okay, Polygon, uh, unscored so far. Maybe that's the best score for that game by the sound of it. Unscored. Yeah. Good, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Eurogamer recommend is usually a fairly neutral position. I mean, it's basically saying it, it works. Um, no, they have like, they have essential, avoids. don't they? They have, they have avoids, they have neutral, yeah. recommend, and essential. Yeah, I know, but recommend is like, it's a default position for a game like that where it's going to. Some people are going to love it and some people are going to hate it. They just say, yeah, it just, yeah, it's got merits. Um, I'm sure that game will sell well. Well, yeah. I mean, that that's... Here's one last question before we... And actually, it's a nice segue. Put one on the on the chalkboard for me for segues. 
if this game was not made by exactly the same game with exactly the same themes gameplay everything if this was not made by kojima but if this was an ea game what would be the score 69 nice <laughs> oh god um yeah um i think i think it would be yeah i think that's a really interesting question i mean it in my mind, it could go either way. Um, you think it would be panned? Do you think it would be panned? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. It's the same, like the same question I brought up the other day. Like, I, I don't think Breath of the Wild would have gotten nearly the same scores if it wasn't a Zelda game. Yeah, mm. I agree. And I love Breath of the Wild, but I agree. Mm. Okay, so let's go with a very nice 69 and uh, EA, because. Probably the most surprising news. I mean, we all knew Diablo 4 was coming. We all knew Overwatch 2 was coming. So you know, it wasn't surprises. It was it was great looking, but it wasn't a surprise. We all knew Kojima was doing something. Yeah. And some people would love it because, you know, he has his, his rabid legion of fanboys. Biggest, uh, most surprising news to me last week, EA coming back to Steam. Um, because, uh, Basti, we both were there, more or less, on the front lines. Yes. We both were working yes. at EA at the time. I, in a previous life, had the pleasure of being Global Community Manager for Origin. Uh, I think it was 2011, with the release of Battlefield 3. Yes. That, that EA first skipped Steam. And they were like, really the first, like, you know, they were ahead of the curve. Like in saying, hey, we're going to have our own platform. We're we're leaving Steam. Yeah, you had a transition phase where some some games were still available at Steam, and then they they moved slowly all the piece all IPs away from Steam, and then made the cut off and said nothing more on Steam. And uh, then back then everyone said, oh, EA is dead, and EA was surprise, surprise, not dead, but I'm surprised. So, so what what is what's the reason? So I mean, they're, they're potent- there's a lot of potential good reasons. Maybe they just realized, actually, we're losing, or there's a big potential to make more money. Maybe they they strived a really good deal with Valve, right? They said, okay, that's I actually think. really good. There is Apex Legends, so they have a huge free-to-play hit. After EA tried for many many years to get like into that free-to-play market, and they never managed to do at least to 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 that extent they would like to see it. But now they have that huge um, successful game, but it's a constant fight, uh, a fight, I assume, to to keep their uh, player uh, um, PCU numbers. So I guess that their move also is like, okay, via Steam, we can get more people into Apex Legend, as an example, because it's easier for them. Like the the chance that someone never downloads Origin for a free to play game might yeah. be quite high. Yeah. Or the entry barrier. So visibility. Exactly. And then with the subscription service, maybe they have... And I think that's actually... That makes absolute sense. There is a higher chance or a good chance that at least part of that uh, interest they get, let's say, over stuff like Apex Legends, to maybe um, buy uh, Origins uh, subscription. I think... In some instances, the chance that some of them try at least an origin of subscription for one month is higher than actually buying a full price game. I was going to say, is it a bit like so? Is it a bit like um, on Amazon where you get like those sub categories? Like, how's it going to actually work in Steam? Well, presumably, I guess it's going to be a product. You know, like just like you, you go to Steam page and you say I'm going to subscribe. There, there are other subscriptions from MMOs that you can do through Steam, yeah. but there is no subscription service like this. Um, I mean, Steam yeah. again will act as a shell as always, and then yeah, you yeah. start Origin probably or, or Origin. Start, yes, you will start. Origin. So, it's the same setup as with Ubisoft and you play with. exactly. Um, what I found, really, I mean, like you know, there had been whispers for a while um, that there was something up with EA and Steam because you know. You can find out a lot of stuff happening on Steam if you know where to look, like a Steam database and stuff. And people noticed that it was a surprising amount of activity around some EA games, um, you know, like being new new builds being uploaded, stuff, mm-hmm. or like games that had never been released on Steam. Suddenly people were playing them, so you know, people knew something was up. Yeah. And then, of course, EA with, with a like chef kiss got tier of shit posting on Twitter, they just put up a tweet of a steaming coffee mug. Yeah. Just like, there you go. Mm. Uh, but I assumed uh, a lot of I think most people assume probably it's just going to be like old catalog titles 
Yeah, like, like, Dragon Age Origins yeah, or whatever. Like, like put your Dragon Age to whatever, like all the games on Magic there, Carpet. You know, um, that you can... <laughs> it's just, you know, another revenue source. I mean, like, for yeah. example, if you look at like the recent financial results from Ubisoft, they, they make a ton of money, like a huge percentage out of catalog sales. Yeah. So that is absolutely a valid way to make money. And I think... Uh, that was my expectation that EA would just be like putting all Kellogg titles up there while of course keeping like the latest games and service stuff because really what a lot of pe- people I think don't, didn't realize um, is like the, the reason a lot of companies are leaving Steam when it comes to the, the share like the 30% the, the much discussed 30% it's not just the games of course it's more importantly you know it's all the microtransactions DLC whatever like really, really companies make the money from these days mm. And I think that was really the reason back then that EA left that, you know, with stuff like yeah. Battlefield Premium or so, that um, Steam wanted a cut of all of that, of course. And EA mm. said, you know, that's that's not how it's going to work. So we're building our own platform. Um, so, yeah, I was really, really surprised to see, like, they're doing the full deal. Uh, first game coming out um, next week is a Jedi Fallen Order. Looks like um, a good game. It looks like a fantastic game. Yeah, coming to Steam. And Respawn, we trust. You know, maybe there you were thinking, okay, you know, like obviously Star Wars, you know, it's such a, they just want a bigger audience. I was super surprised to hear that um, Apex Legends is coming to Steam because again, you know, like that is the thing where yeah. like they make all of the money from the microtransactions to to willingly, it's it's definitely not going to be 30%, but like mm. to whatever, give whatever share to to Valve, I was very surprised. Yeah, I, I, you, you bet that after Epic, etc., that maybe EA was, was able to strike away. I mean, there were usually a lot of like big companies not, not paying the full 30% cut. They have like uh, deals anyway, but I, I, I bet after the Epic scenario and situation that Valve was open for, uh, talks. So a lot of this comes from also that problem that P- PC players have of not having everything in one place from one launcher and you get the feeling that at some point people are demand- going to demand having everything in one place. Is this partly a move towards that and does that mean like Origin? What does it mean for Origin? I mean... Mm. I mean, Origin is still there. You know, like I said, it's the same thing with you play. Like you have to link your accounts, you have to use your Origin account linked with your Steam account, yeah. it's still going to download probably some kind of shell of, of Origin when you play the game through Steam. Is that you know, So yeah, it's always you know this mix of like, uh, to a lot of people when they say I want everything in one platform, it's important for them to have, you know, like when they go to the Steam library, there's this picture of, of Jedi Fallen Order and you're like, and they have the Steam achievements or whatever. Um, so yes, they're getting that, of course. Um, what I really think made, you know, like made this thing happen because it seems to be more than just a hey EA is randomly putting the games back. Like if you look at the, if you look at the press release, there's there's a, a quote by Gabe Newell um, where like they, they talk about like this being an unprecedented deep partnership. So you know it's not just like a random, it's just another company selling stuff and you know there's more to this. Yeah, read that. Pre- that, is, that is interesting. That press statement. There is the more of that. more politics going on here. Surely, um, yeah, as you mentioned, Epic. You know, it's right now like it's this battleground where. A lot of companies decide, like, do they align with Epic? Do they align with Valve going forward? Okay. Clearly, who is the Axis and who are the allied, allied powers? Um, uh, you can go to my Twitter profile. You can look whom I'm working for at any given time, and they are the good guys. Okay. So, you know, just check that out. We'll get back to Twitter later. Um, uh, so, one, one good argument that was brought up by people that I think you know, sounds interesting is obviously what is really driving the success of, of Epic is Fortnite. Um, Valve doesn't have anything to compete with that right now. You know, PUBG seems to have fallen off a little bit. Artifact. Uh, I think a lot of people at Valve have forgotten that a game exists <laughs> by this point. So, you know, like obviously this also makes sense maybe for them together to say, hey, we want to take on Epic uh, through Apex Legends. Like, you know, Epic, open up Apex Legends to a whole new audience. Um, through Steam. Obviously, what is going to be super, or maybe one of the main reasons for this whole deal that it's happened for, for EA, there's a lot of value being the first subscription service on Steam. Yeah. Because like everything right now is going towards subscriptions. You have your Xbox Game Pass and all of that. But none of these th- services have been on Steam. So for EA to be the very first guys on Steam on this huge platform with all the, the monthly active users and everything, to have a subscription service like that, that's huge value. I, I don't know, obviously, what the um, what the cut is that that Valve is taking, as Busty mentioned. It 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 hasn't been thirty percent for big companies for a while, probably. You know, like there's different 
tiers, how many, how much, how many copies you sell, and stuff like that. Like different, you know. Um, I'm sure they got a very favorable deal. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Especially again when it comes to you know like having stuff like Apex on there and like Valve taking a cut of everything, like all the season pass sales, battle pass sales, sorry, cosmetic sales, all of that. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's again, it's not something I expected to happen at all. I'm very curious to see now uh, the the PC sales of um, uh, Jedi Fallen Order because of course you know, that's also interesting. Steam is the one platform where even as an outsider you can usually get a reliable idea kind of how well a game has done. Um, whereas you know most other PC platforms there's no stats available like you, you you're reliant on the companies saying hey it sold this many copies yep. or whatever. Um, speaking of Jedi Fallen Order, I was kind of surprised. I feel like their financial guidance seems almost um, conservative. They said like by the end of the finance year, so end of March, they want to have sold six to eight million copies of Jedi Fallen Order, which I thought PC, PS4, Xbox, Star Wars, right before you know Christmas. the end of the Skywalker saga, in Christmas. Weird times, my friend. I would have assumed more copies than that. I I, I would expect that it sells more copies than that if, if if the reviews are good. I really like what I've seen in the previews of the game because they've they're they're really looking at trying to make the game um, appeal to the kind of not just the lightsaber combat stuff. I mean, obviously that's there, but it's like that kind of rich history, the all of those things are kind of deeply ingrained Star Wars, not a superficial Star Wars experience, but um, bit, a bit beyond that. And that, that I really like that. And I think uh, I'm definitely going to check that one out. Maybe maybe also it's uh, the, not the end of 2019 for big players like EA is probably not the best moment to to oversell yourself. I mean, that's a common thing in, in American True. stock markets. Like, yeah, we're giving you that much profit. But if you think how many big companies performed, then you had stuff like Battlefield where the numbers just seems to be more dwindling and etc. I think it's a wise choice to position yourself in a situation where you say, you know what? We're making a healthy, good prediction. We're not going crazy here because uh, time to, to go absolutely batshit crazy is coming next or oh, winter 2020. Yeah. Yeah, again, I personally expect if the, if the reviews are good, it's, I think it's going to sell more than 8 million copies by end of finance year because yeah. you got the three platforms. Again, there's going to be a huge hype machine, of course, if it's the end of the Skywalker saga. It's going to be Star Wars is going to be everywhere. Now being on Steam, of course, is again another added benefit. Um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this game personally. Probably right now, uh, top of my want to play list. Personally. Yeah, same. So yeah, um, as we've seen, there's been a lot of happening in the games industry recently. So lots of stuff to digest and discuss uh, in in future episodes. If you, dear listener, have any thoughts on any of this, uh, if you think it's all fine and dandy that Richard is not here and there's really no reason to bring him back anytime Who's, soon. Who said Richard again? The token American. Ah, okay. Hot dog okay. Guy. Then please send us an email to projectorlunchcast at gmail.com. We're always happy you know, to answer any questions or take suggestions for topics. And if you have any ideas that you think, hey, these reasonably intelligent gentlemen, stunningly attractive gentlemen should discuss in a podcast, you know, just send us an idea. We'll, we'll happily take it into consideration. Yeah, and uh, if people want to talk to you personally, Matthew, they can do so on Twitter. No, don't do that. I, I just no? haven't got time for you right now. Okay. Um, just, just, just dropping a mail into the, the mailbox. Okay. Drop Otherwise, email. at Goatflip. Drop an yeah. email to, to the mailbox and uh, say it's for Richard. Uh, sorry, it's for Matt and then Richard it's will for, read it. Yeah, just say for it's Matt. for Matt's viewing only. Please do not let any of the others <laughs> see this. Yeah. If it's the sexual content, then make sure it's for Matt only. And send it to me. Yes, uh, Basti, people can talk on Twitter to you. At Bastian Thun, T-H-U-N. And uh, please, by all means, if you enjoy uh, looking forward to Death Stranding, give me your top three reasons <laughs> why you think Death Stranding is the best FedEx simulator out there and that the world needed that game daily. Well, to be fair, it, it probably is the best FedEx simulator. Probably the only it's, one. it's a very... Then again, we're living in Germany. There's probably a lot of... I, I would have to check. There's probably some delivery driver simulators or something. Yeah. Euro, isn't Euro Truck place. Simulator, isn't that one of those? Or do, do, do deliveries in that? Or is it just about the driving? Well, um, you do... You know, like, like, you, you, you are delivering stuff, but not door to door. Okay. I guess that's an extra... No, with your bloody, bloody blistering feet. <laughs> yeah. 
not there's no bloody feet and uh, if you want to talk to me for whatever reason may god have mercy in your soul uh, you can do so on twitter at com underscore raven thank you very much gentlemen for joining me uh thank you very much for blizzard to for bringing back the lord of terror himself thank you hideo for whatever that was and uh, we look forward to being listened to by you, dear listener, next week, Thursday. Until then, take care. And while we didn't mention, I feel like we have to token mention Todd Howard, because Todd Howard, Todd thank Howard. you. Yeah. Goodbye. On, on, on the other note, when we talk about Todd Howard, can I can I just drop that outer wall? It's, it's the best Obsidian game out there. Holy shit, that game is good. Go out, play it. It's so much better than everything, anything Todd Howard ever brought out. That is the Todd Howard experience, not by Todd Howard, you should play. Todd Howard. Yeah. They out Todd Howard did Todd Howard. We the old school. Yeah, old school. We the old school. Yeah, old school. Got me some roses and a little bling. I knocked on her door, she said, What you wait for? I heard you was looking for a king. Been climbing up here.